And we'll let the lingers come in here in just a moment. Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. There is a handout if you want one. You don't have to take it by any means, but it's there if, if you like those. But Revelation chapter 4, and, uh, and we'll get started this morning. We're going to do two different things this morning. We're going to take a few minutes, and we'll go through a Good News Club and just explain what that's about a little bit and... Uh, and talk about it just for a few moments, and then we'll get into our study this morning. Our study this morning is understanding the holiness of God, um, uh, and understanding it, and, and we, we'll scratch the surface. I mean, you could study this the rest of your life and still not get it, right, uh, because it's God, but this is one of the attributes of God is His holiness. So before we get started, though, Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the day you've given. Lord, we thank you for the gorgeous weather. Lord, you've been so good to us with weather and even with the rain and different things going on. And, but Lord, it's just been so good, and I thank you for it. I just pray you just be with our service now. Be with the Sunday school classes downstairs. Lord, be with us right now in the auditorium class. Lord, be with the services to come. And, and Lord, above all, we pray this, that if there be any who enter these doors, who watch via live stream, or who, who are just part of it, Lord, that if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, before they, before they leave, before they, uh, they, they turn off uh, their viewership, Lord, they come to know you. And Lord, we'll thank you, we'll praise you for it now. I just pray, just bless our time in Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to talk just for a couple minutes about Good News Club. I want to do this in a way of introduction, and, and I realize not everyone's here this morning, but um, next Sunday afternoon, after the morning service, uh, we'll be having a lunch downstairs as a sign-up sheet in the, in the uh, um, uh, foyer if you're interested. And, and understand, signing up is, it doesn't mean you're signing up uh, for Good News Club. It means you're signing up to be part of the lunch. And you can come and hear about what's happening and what it's about and what's going on and ask questions. And, um, and we'll go from there. But it's a great opportunity. Our family's been familiar with CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, or Good News Clubs, uh, really all my life and beyond. Uh, we used to do back Liz, Liz's family as well. And um, my brother was actually saved at one of the CEF, one of the week-long camps, the five-day clubs they do. Um, uh, the boys in New York and the church we, we were at there in New York, uh, they were involved in both a good news club and also a five-day club and, and, and just heavily involved. And, and specifically, what we're praying about, and we'll touch on it tonight in our business meeting for financial approval, and that's why I want to touch on it this morning, um, but we have a unique opportunity is to go into, so the way a good news club works, and that's what we'll talk about for a few minutes, is, is this, is we have an opportunity as basically an after-school program, okay? That's what it's considered, an after-school program. So we can go into a public elementary school, that's where we're going, um, and and be able to go through, and really, it's almost like a single mini-day of VBS, if you will. We'll have some craft time, we'll have some game time, we'll have a story time, we'll have a missions emphasis, and we have those different segments, if you will, but we get an opportunity to share the gospel. This is in a public school. We have an opportunity to share the gospel freely, openly, and it is a great opportunity to see young people saved and then to be able to then follow up with them. This is a ministry, so understand, just because it's Child Evangelism Fellowship or Good News Club, um, it will be a ministry of Bible Baptist Church, 
right? It's, we're using their materials, we're going to follow their, um, uh, their outline. The reason being is because that's what kind of gives us the avenue to get into the program, uh, but it's good material, it's good content, and, and we're able to share um, with these kids Christ, and Lord willing that they'll get saved, and then we're also able to go and follow up with their families, so just the same as if we, when we have young people come to Vacation Bible School, one of the things we're going to do is get their information so that afterwards we can go and visit the families, and we have the same opportunity um, through Good News Club, okay? So just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what it is and how it works, and, and, and here's something that I'd, I'd ask you to pray about and think about even between now and next week, but uh, I'll kind of share very briefly some of the structure or some of the potential needs or potential areas that you may be able to serve in. Um, and, and there's honestly, it's one of those deals where there's something that anybody or everybody can do. Uh, so we have a team coordinator, uh, which is Kristen. She will be the team coordinator. Um, and we praise the Lord for her taking that role. Um, and that's good. We have a Bible teacher role, which we've got a few folks already kind of that have talked to us and selected and set aside and, and, and uh, are dedicated towards that. And then we have some other areas. So one is a teacher's assistant. And understand, each one of these have different required amounts of training through CEF. Okay, part of it is learning through the CEF material and part of it's learning through the do's and don'ts. Okay, we're still going into a public school, and so just making sure that we handle ourselves appropriately and, and take care of those things. It doesn't restrict us from sharing the gospel, okay? That's not one of the don'ts, right? It's more just a matter of, of how things are done. But a teacher's assistant, this is someone who uh, helps lead songs and do a missionary story, uh, memory verses, review games uh, during club time, and just kind of helps fill in those gaps, kind of a, uh, that next level uh, leadership. And then there's helpers. We need helpers. The, the ratio that's desired is to have one helper for every five kids. You say, well, pastor, how many kids are we going to have? I have no idea, right? I have no idea. We could end up with five kids. We could end up with 50 kids. I don't have a clue. All right, so that's something that we're just going to pray about and we're going to trust the Lord for. And uh, we're praying he's going to move mountains with it, and we know he will. Um, so for a helper, they would have to have at least three hours of the training course. And the training course, we're going to have training courses here at the church uh, coming up. And then there's another training course that will be in August. And then in September, there's another training course that's not at the church. And really, it's the same material, just a different location. So if you can't make one, Lord willing, you can make the other. Um, uh, but helpers responsible for leading a small group, uh, nurturing relationships, prompting interactive questions, um, taking attendance and supervising snack and so forth, and, and uh, just kind of um, uh, crowd control is a big part of it, right? And then there's leader in training. So this is, this is kind of cool, and this is where our boys had, had helped out previously, and that's for those who are like 11 and 12 years old. Right? So it's good for even those younger kids. And I love this principle, and honestly, this morning's message is all around this principle. It's about raising up that next generation, right? Just because if a, if a child's too old to participate, then they should start being involved in serving. And that's really what this leader in training is about. 
Um, so really, it's helping train them to become a helper in the future, but in, a, in a, a, a smaller way. And then there's a club partner. And this is someone who's willing to serve uh, occasionally with assisting the club, with there's a special event, uh, someone who helps provide or prepare snacks, provide materials, uh, maybe name tags or craft preparation, things that you can do at home ahead of time. So maybe you can't go and help. So it's going to be on uh, a day of of the week, we're looking potentially at Wednesday right after school. School lets out at 3-ish? 3.30, okay. So, so 3.30, so you might say, I work all day, I can't do that, but I'd like to help at home. And so this is an opportunity to where you could kind of get things prepared and, and do some of those pieces. And then lastly, and this is something, this is where, again, anybody and everybody needs to be involved. And I'll just say that as a church, we all need to be involved at least on this level, and that's as a prayer partner and, and praying regularly for the Good News Club and, and um, receiving or making phone calls through emails and so forth. And maybe there's special prayer requests or, or just during that club time, um, um, praying that things go well and kids will get saved, but just being that prayer partner. Um, and so again, folks, this is a fantastic opportunity that we have as a church to be able to truly reach our community. Um, I, I said it a few weeks ago during a message, and I, I don't mean to beat us up over it, but we really need to challenge our hearts, is, is if we're doing more to reach people for the gospel around the world than we are across the street... We need to challenge ourselves on that. It doesn't mean we lessen what we do around the world. That's not it. What it means is we increase what we're doing right here. And this is one of those avenues. So again, if you have questions about it, number one, come next Sunday to the luncheon. It'll be right after the morning service. Um, and then number two, if you have questions, talk to Kristen, talk to myself. We can kind of help fish through those things a little bit. Um, but I'm excited about this. And it's something, again, we are able to do. And it's just a great uh, opportunity and outreach uh, to our community at large. So we praise the Lord for it. All right. Um, and I'm not going to take questions right now. Again, that's what next Sunday afternoon is for. But I wanted to just take a couple minutes and explain some of the different avenues and some of the different things uh, potentially that you can do and be part of with it. So uh, does everybody have a handout that wants one? If you don't want one, that's okay. Uh, you're not going to break my heart. Um, need one? Raj, would you grab those, sir? Pretty much everyone needs one. No, not everyone. So this morning, uh, for our Sunday school hour here, it's, the topic is this. It's understanding the holiness of God. And a second piece of this is it will help revolutionize our worship. We have to understand who God is and, and, and who he is and understand his attributes. Someone just gave me a book on the attributes of God, and, and it's been very good so far. It's not a casual read, but uh, one of these attributes is around the holiness of God. If you were to describe holiness, how would you describe it? It's too early to sweat this much, so the jacket's coming off us. So. <laughs> How would you describe holiness if you were to? Okay. Godliness. Yeah. Is anything or anyone truly holy other than God? Right? No. No, they're not. I'll, I'll answer that very quickly and very, very easily. But it's, it's the holiness of God that compels us to worship him. 
Um, we'll read here, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. I, I printed out a lot of the scriptures on the paper for you. If you'd rather turn your Bibles, by all means do that. Uh, but just for simplicity and speed, I have them here printed out. But Revelation 4, and starts in verse 8, says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of full of eyes within, and the rest, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Before we go any further, the fact that it says holy, 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 it's it's putting an emphaticness behind the fact that God is holy. Right? It's not just saying it casually and moving on. It's not just saying, oh God is holy. It's saying, no, 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 he's holy, holy, holy. It's putting that as an emphasis about not just what God does, but rather who God is. Now, verse 9, it says, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him and sat him on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Part of the holiness of God and part of us giving him uh, uh, the holiness or, or, or understanding what that is, is that what goes along with, with the holiness of God is also that we're giving him the glory, we're giving him the honor, we're giving him the praise and the power that he deserves and that he is. And, and, and that's what compels us to worship him. Um, where it can be dangerous in our world today is when we give glory and honor and power and holiness to something or someone that's, that's not holy, right? We can treat man sometimes the same way. Maybe it's a sports figure or maybe it's a, a musician or maybe it's a political leader or, you know, fill in the blank there. And that's where we need to be careful. Why? Because holiness is set aside to and for God and God alone. To worship God, this is letter B, is, is to, as he really is, we must understand and know this fundamental fact that God truly is holy. Uh, someone read Isaiah 6, 1 through 3 there for us. Not everyone at once, come on, it's right there. So again, to, to worship God as he really is, we must understand and know the, fun, the fundamental fact that truly the, the, that God is holy. And I think, and this is where we can open up for a little conversation, and maybe you disagree or have a different thought around it, um, but, but think about this. Is it easy for our human mindset to really comprehend the holiness of God? I struggle with that. I do. Personally, I do. Why? Because he is beyond human comprehension. The holiness of God goes, goes beyond what we are able to understand or able to know or, or, or able to, to really even fathom. 
is the holiness of God. So, so letter one there, it says the holiness of God. It says holy is how worshipers in Scripture described God as they worshiped. And there's several references there. We're not going to take the time um, to, to look at each one of them. If you want to later, that's wonderful. But we see here the one in Luke chapter one, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth to all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. We can see time and time again in the scripture where people, uh, worshipers of God, call him holy uh, and give him that respect and that honor and that title. And that's important to understand. That's really the fundamental, that's really the baseline behind it. Holy is how God describes himself. Um, you think about it, whenever someone describes themselves, they, they give you attributes or they give you descriptions of how they want to be known, right? Whether it is a title or, or whether it is um, something that they prefer or they like, but they want you to know who they are. And I don't mean that in an egotistical way, but just as a matter of fact, you know, hey, I'm Pastor Tim Helm, and, and I'm married to my wife Elizabeth, and I have my three boys, and, and that's, that's who I am. That, that's really the baseline of who I am, and, and God, uh, he wants us to know, he wants us to understand that he is holy, you see, um, if we get that as the baseline, as the, where we begin then our foundational understanding of who God is, then it can grow from there. And understand that not only is he holy, but we can't be holy, right? He's something we aren't. He's got something that we can't get, but he wants us to know that he is holy. Holiness is God's nature, Holy is the way that God is. Holiness can easily be considered and, and most significant of all God's attributes. Um, and it's also probably the one that we already said is the most difficult to define. Um, I think sometimes it's the most difficult one to understand. And, and the reason behind that is because we're not holy, right? That's not something that we can easily relate to. Uh, but we must understand nevertheless that he is. Holiness includes the purity and moral perfection of his nature, uh, and now, Roman number number two there, it says the ramifications, well, go back to Isaiah 43, 3, it says, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Uh, and that goes hand in hand. His holiness goes hand in hand with his royalty or with his Godhead. Uh, now, Roman number number two, and, and we're going through some of these kind of quick because I want to spend a little more time on the third because really that leads up to how we worship God or how we view God uh, personally in our lives. But number number two, it says the ramifications of the holiness of God. Because God is holy, he, what do you think that next word is? hates sin or any variation of it right he hates sin why do you think that is why does god hate sin yeah i'm sorry say yeah it's opposite of his holiness it goes against his very nature it goes against the the very fiber and the very dna the the very being of god it goes against that and he hates it. He despises sin. And, and that's one of the reasons why 
uh, we call ourselves Christians, that we want to become more and more like Christ. And the part of that is this, is that the closer we get to God, the closer our relationship to Him is, the, 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 the closer we are to His holiness. And I don't mean achieving His holiness, but the closer we are to His holiness, the more our sin should bother us in our life right? The more that, that God should point those things in, uh, about our life that we need to take away, that we need to get out, right? It's understanding the meat of the word. What was the meat of the word? Do you remember what we talked about the last couple Sundays? How would you define the meat of the word of God? Milk and then meat, how would we define it? Understanding. Understanding right? Understanding what God wants us to do, who God wants us to be, and then the next step is having the discernment to apply it to our life. There's knowledge, and then there's obedience, right? We can know what to do or how to do it or who to be, but then there is the action of actually doing those things. So if God highlights a sin in our life and says, you know, Tim, I don't want you doing fill in the blank, doesn't, whatever it might be, and I, this is what it is, is it's, this is what I need less in my life or take out of my life, and this is what I need more of in my life. That's spiritual maturity. That's the meat of the word, and, and the closer we get to God, the more we understand that, and it all really comes or stems from this piece that God hates sin. We should hate it all the more, just because, just the same as God is. Why? Because sin is an abomination to God. Um, again, that word abomination is a very strong word found in Scripture, but it's, it's something that God abhors. He tells us that we are to eschew it. Remember that from a few weeks ago, that we're supposed to, to chase it out of our life or to get it out of our life. Sin is a, a moral evil, and sin is a rebellion against the rule and the love of God. Sin is a rebellion against God. And that's one of the main reasons why we should not want it near us as well. Uh, we don't really understand, I think, just as we don't understand God's holiness, I don't think we can truly comprehend how much God hates sin. I just think it's something that we struggle with, that we, we don't totally get all the time, but, but God hates sin, and so should we. Uh, letter B, because God is holy, he demands perfect holiness. Um, someone turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Uh, the holiness of God is impossibly high standard, but it's nevertheless a standard which we, are, uh, we, we need to try to live towards. Is anyone turning there? I hear some Bibles. If you're there, go ahead and read it. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. So follow peace with all men in holiness, to strive for holiness in our heart and our mind, our life. Without such, no man shall see the Lord. And verse 15 says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. When it talks about that root of bitterness, it talks about that, it gives the idea of that seed, right? That small element of sin uh, or of hatred or of bitterness in our life. Um, Last Sunday, we talked a little bit about, last Sunday night it was, uh, having a grain uh, of mustard seed of faith, right? Um, and, and mustard seed is what? Do you remember? 
very small. It's the smallest seed you can see with the human eye. Now, I'm not a scientist, and I'm not an agriculturalist, so I haven't checked that out myself, but that's what they tell us, so I'll go with it. But regardless, it's extremely minute. And the Bible tells us if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And just the same as if we allow the, the sin as small or the root of sin in our life, it can also do as much destruction as that grain of faith can do good, right? So we've got to purge sin from our life. Uh, Letter C there, because God is holy, he can never, excuse me, overlook any sin that we may commit. Um, We overlook things sometimes as humans, don't we? right? Whether it be as a parent or as a grandparent, have you ever, let me ask you this, I, I'm not at this stage in life yet, but we have a lot of grandparents in the room, is, is, is this question is, have you ever overlooked something that your grandchild has done that you never would have overlooked that your child did, right? Some are going to say yes and be honest, and some are going to say, well, I don't know, and some are going to say, well, I'm going to, right, because I'm not there yet, but, but there's certain things in life that, that we may overlook, and even as a parent, sometimes there's things that we overlook, whether it's because, hey, the first child we were more rigid with, but now as we have grown and matured as an adult, and now we're on the second or third child, where, where things in some ways get, you know, where it's just the priority isn't there, or sometimes we're just tired, right? And you say, I'm going to overlook what you just did or said or, or, or didn't do or didn't say. But sometimes we overlook those things as a parent or as a grandparent. But God can't overlook sin. Why? Because it goes against his nature. Because it goes against the very essence of his being. And he can't. He can't. And neither should we. And I don't mean neither should we with our kids or our grandkids, but we shouldn't either within our own hearts and lives, right? That's where it needs to start. Because I promise you, we do that more often than we're willing to admit. Um, All right, I'm going to move a little bit quicker on these next couple. Letter D, because God is holy, he can never tempt us to sin. Uh, We know that, right? God never tempts us to sin. Um, He may allow things to come into our life that are tempting to us, but he doesn't do the tempting. He doesn't dangle that carrot in front of us to try to pull us away from him. He may allow those things in our life, just like he did with Job and he did with Peter and and different examples of the Bible we can look to uh, where Satan comes in and tempts, but, but he doesn't do the tempting. Why? Because he wants to bring us closer to him. Instead, even during those times of temptation or trial, he does the opposite. He always, he always makes a way of release. He always makes a way for us to come and make the right decision and come back to him as his children. Uh, Letter E there. It says, because God is holy, he will execute judgment on all those who sin. The holiness of God and the wrath of God are inseparably united. God's wrath is the result of his utter intolerance of all who turn from him and sin willfully. Um, God's perfectness and his love and his care and his holiness are just as equal and balanced with his wrath and his hatred of sin. He doesn't hate the sinner. He loves us, but he hates 
the sin. And because of that, we will be held accountable for that sin. Uh, God will judge whoever does not meet or doesn't follow after Him. Uh, Letter F there. Because God is holy, His actions uh, toward us will always be perfect and just. His actions towards us will always be perfect and just. Now let me ask a question. If you have ever worked with kids, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or aunt or, or whatever level, um, have you always acted consistently perfect with every child you've come in contact with? Huh? Anyone can say that? If you do, you're liars. Right? We don't. Why? Because we're humans as well. We're not perfect. And not just with kids, but, but even with adults. Are we ever consistently perfect with adults we deal with, whether it be at the workplace or whether it be a family or whether it just be with our neighbors? No, we don't. Why? Because we're, we're humans. We're emotional beings, and, and we have preferences. We have thoughts. But understand this. God is always the same. There's no sense of unfairness when it comes to God. And part of that, part of that stems from this attribute of holiness. His, his level, his degree of perfectness or holiness or, or, or worship, we should have a worship towards him, and he's always level with it. He's always even. He's always fair, if you will. Um, sometimes our kids will say, well, Dad, that's not fair, right? Well, I love my favorite line towards him is, well, life's not fair, right? That's what, we tre- that's what we tend to say. That's what we tend to kind of go towards a little bit, but, but it's not it. You see, because with God, uh, He is completely consistent. He is fair. He is pure. He is holy. Now, the last one, this is we're going to spend the last several minutes, is the proper response of the holiness of God. And really, when we think about this one, this is what helps us uh, connect um, and it uses the word, we have the word revolutionize our worship. Why? Because it should change our heart attitude in why we do what we do when it comes to worshiping God. And before we, we go into this last section here, I just want to say this, is, is everything we do, sometimes we get stuck on the fact and we think that our song service is the only time we worship God. Okay? Or if we're in the car and we're singing, that's the only time, that's not the only worship we do for God. Or towards God, everything we should do, or everything that we do, should be with an attitude of worshiping Him. It should be centered and focused on, on worship him, worshiping Him beyond just singing. Yes, that's a part of it. Yes, that's a piece of it. But, but in the Scriptures and, and out and about and telling others about Christ, everything should be centered and focused around worshiping God and having a heart of worship towards Him. The proper response to the holiness of God, letter A, when we enter into the presence of God, we must see Him as holy. Uh, there in Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's a song, that's a spirit of worship. And it says, My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. That should be part of our worship is praising the Lord. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a message around prayer. And you remember that was part of our heart's preparation uh, for prayer is, is praise and thanksgiving should be part of our worship. 
And that's exactly what those verses are talking about. You see, without a vision of God's holiness, true worship is not possible. Without giving God the the praise and the glory and the the admiration that he deserves, we're never going to truly worship the Lord. Why? Because our heart isn't focused, our mind isn't stayed upon that who God really is. Um, You don't go and have a conversation with somebody, uh, and it needs to be a direct conversation without knowing a little bit about that person typically, right? If it's someone you know well and you want to have a conversation with them about the things of the Lord, uh, you search for those things to connect with. Uh, Friday morning, yeah, Friday morning we were at Men's Coffee, right? And it was the loudest it has ever been at Coffeeville, right? Would you agree with that, Roger? Like, it was loud. I felt like I was sitting there screaming, and I didn't want to be obnoxious to the people around us, but at the same time, I wanted everybody to hear. You know, I wanted our, our group to hear, and, and, and so, you know, I, was, I felt like I was speaking very loudly, and at the end, there was a gentleman who was sitting over the quarter the whole time, and he came up. He said, hey, I heard you say something about Israel. And I said, yeah, and it was, just, it was a brief comment. I had to think, what I even say about Israel? I have no idea. I didn't. And the only thing I said about Israel was, has anybody ever been there before, right, to our group? And none of us had. And I said, I haven't either. And it's kind of on a bucket list. And that was it, right? That's all I said about Israel, at least that I can remember. And, uh, and he says, well, I've been there. And he started telling this story about when he was there. And he shared it with us a little bit, just a couple of minutes. I said, oh, that's great. I said, and, and, and in, his, in, the, in the couple-minute conversation, you could tell very quickly um, that he was Catholic, Okay, you could tell very quickly he was Catholic. I said, all right. I said, hey, man, that's great. Praise the Lord you had that opportunity and, you know, uh, praise Jesus for, for what he did on the cross and just kind of pointed things that way a little bit. And I said, I said, hey, I said, where do you go to church? He said, I just moved here. I said, you did? I said, that's fantastic. I said, well, here, come and visit us, right? And I gave him a track, and, and I don't know if he will or not, um, but then afterwards went over and had a con- just a quick one-on-one conversation with him, just a minute or two, and said, man, thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. And just and So why do I say that? Well, we say those things because we want to try to have those conversations with people. We want people to connect with the cross. We want people to connect uh, with the holiness of God. And if we don't know anything about them, it's harder to have those conversations. But in just that brief conversation I had with him, I connected that he was passionate about Israel, that he was passionate uh, about his, his faith, and I use that word cautiously uh, because, again, he was, he was Catholic. He was passionate about those things, and I took that little bit of information and, and spun it and twisted it and turned it to try to get him to come and be part of the church, or at least to come and, and visit the church. Now, again, I don't know if he will or not. We need to understand the holiness of God in order to truly connect with God. We need to understand what that is and what that looks like and what that means. Um, When we see God as holy, we will see ourselves, and this is key, folks, as unholy. As unholy. You see, when when we lift ourselves above that which we are, when we put ourselves at a level that we don't deserve, then at the same time, we're bringing God down a level. Whether we're saying it intentionally or not, but that's what we're doing. And that's very, very dangerous in our relationship and in our personal growth. But we've got to understand God is holy and we are unholy. Letter B, it says when we worship God, we must worship him with reverence and godly fear. 
Um, Hebrews 12 says there, and I'll, I'll read it very quickly, wherefore we receive, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. God's wrath is very real. Why? Because he hates sin. That's why. But it doesn't change his wrath. It doesn't change that. And we must understand that. We must worship him really with a godly reverence or a godly fear. Um, there, the, the reason many do not truly worship God is because they do not fear him. Now, don't, don't miss this. The reason people do not truly worship God is because they do not fear Him. Turn to Romans chapter 3 very quickly as we're winding down here. Romans chapter 3. And I'm going to be very blunt. I believe this is something that we do, not intentionally, I think it's unintentionally, but when we are going through the motions of worship, okay, when we're going through the motions of worship, whether it be in a song service and we're just doing lip service, or whether it be in our devotions and we're just going through the motions to check the box, or we're, we're going through a Bible reading to check the box, or we're going through our prayer life to check the box. If that's the case, then we're, we're, we aren't living, we're not fearing God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 18, uh, there is no fear of God before thine eyes. And if you read that passage before, it talks more about that, that we need to have a reverent fear for God. We should fear God before us, not because he's threatening us, not because he's going to wipe us out. That's not it. It's a fearful respect right? Um, I know growing up, now my dad's here, we've had a great week uh, this week, but I, I knew growing up I had a healthy, respectful fear for his disciplinary methods, all right? Uh, that if he said, hey, if you cross this line, you're going to be disciplined. I didn't fear him, but I did have a healthy, respectful fear for that discipline method, right? Uh, for our boys, the same way. We have a, a discipline uh, method that we use, spare the rod, spoil the child. We take that literally. Ours isn't a rod, it's a belt. Um, uh, but it's something of having that healthy respect or that healthy fear for. Uh, there is much supposed worship taking place that shows no fear or no respect or no um, appreciation for the holiness of God. Our worship is often so casual and so shallow and superficial. Uh, Matthew 15, 8 and 9, we're not going to turn there, uh, but it, we need to question ourselves is where's our heart? Where's our heart? And actually, we might come back there in just a minute. Our worship is often without any repentance in our hearts and confession on our lips. Do you realize we have no right to come in and worship God or to think we're going to be able to worship God until we first have a confession time with the Father? You remember, again, the message a few weeks ago on prayer, where one of the first things we need to do is confess and, and get those things uh, out of our, our life. Not that it's hindering us from salvation, but it hinders us in our relationship and our communication with God. And if we have known sin in our life, we need to purge that out. Because if we try to worship him, we can't worship him if we have this known sin in our life. Uh, Romans 10.9, I'll flip over there very quickly. And we're winding down very quickly, folks. 
uh, 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God that raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But you notice the first step in that is thou shalt confess with thy mouth. We've got to confess uh, the sin in our life. We've got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We've got to believe it in our heart. It, it, it's a process. It's something that we've got to know and do. And it's, this is the key to salvation, but at the same time, it's also the key to worship. It's the key to, to putting God first. It's the key to, to um, uh, honoring it and knowing who and what he is. Matthew 15, this will be the last scripture we look at. I'm trying to... Matthew 15, listen to these verses here real quick. 15, 8, and 9 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Listen to that verse again. These people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. In other words, they're getting closer to me with their mouth. What they're saying is lip service, but their heart heart is far from me. Then verse 9 says, but is vain. They do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, it's vain. Their their, their worship is vanity. Folks, if we want to worship God, if we really want to revolutionize how we worship God, and again, I'm not talking about just Sunday morning. You got to understand it. Get, Get worship beyond Uh, the Sunday sanctuary, worshiping God is all we do. Everything we do should be focused towards worshiping God and giving him the praise and the glory and the honor. But in order to do that, we've got to make sure we're doing it with our whole heart. In order to do that, we've got to understand the holiness of God. We've got to understand the person of God and who he is and and the power that that he has. Um, I think in, in, in our world, in our Christian, uh, very comfortable United States um, religious uh, circles or bubbles, we miss this. We miss the holiness of God. We miss the importance of a walk and a talk and a, that personal relationship with him. Um, if we want to move mountains through prayer, if we want to have that faith and we want to grow our faith, then folks, we need to understand who God is and understand it's through him and him alone. We can't put that trust or that sense of self-reliance on ourselves. Why? If we do, we fail. If we do, we fail. Uh, Spurgeon said this, and, and I've, I've touched on it a couple of different times. Uh, and this is the last thought that I'll close with. We might take a quick question if you have one or a quick statement. Um, but Christianity can withstand anything but prosperity. Christianity can withstand anything but prosperity. If you study church history, you see that prevalent throughout all of church history. You see it everywhere. You see, the more the church is persecuted, the stronger the church is. The more the church grows. But when prosperity comes, it becomes problematic. Why? Because we lessen our reliance on him. We lessen uh, who God is and giving him the authority and giving him the, the honor that he is due. And instead, we put it more on ourselves. It may not be intentionally, but that's how it works out. That's how it comes to be. If we really want to revolutionize our relationship, our worship, our, our time with God, we've got to understand who God is. And I don't mean as far as the big mythical, mystical person, right? The big grandfather in heaven, that's not it. 
uh, when people say things to me like, oh, the big man's watching down on me. That, that bothers me. I don't like that. I just don't. Um, now, if you said it to me, and I don't think anyone here has, but if you did, you did. I, don't, don't come and apologize. That's not it. Why? But we need to understand who God is. So we'll stop there this morning. Um, anyone have a, a question, a comment, a thought, statement? Yes, ma'am. Let's be honest. So she just said her Catholic friend, you know, she always knows who's the call to pray because someone who knows how to pray, and that's fantastic. But oftentimes we act the same way. We may still pray every day, right? But it's in those times of stress or, or need where we really pray, you know? But yeah, you're right. And, and the unsaved do. I had, I shared this story with you before, but I had a, um, an employee work for me who was a Wiccan. She was a witch, and she came to me crying one morning and said, would you pray with me? This is someone who worships Satan, right? Has a coexist bumper stickers, the whole nine yards. Would you pray? Yeah, we sure will. You know, so good. Let's pray. I'm a minute and 54 seconds over. So, Father in heaven, we thank you for the day you've given. We just thank you for the opportunity again of being in your house. I just pray now, Father, you just bless our time together. Lord, be with the services to come. Lord, may you use them in a great and a mighty way. Lord, I pray that you remove all obstacles, all distractions from hearts and minds and lives this morning. May we be stayed and focused upon you and you alone. And, Lord, again, if anybody who comes to this place who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, before they leave today, they would come to know you. And Lord, we'll thank you and we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, thank you. You have a few minutes before church starts.